Blog Talk Radio. We're here, God, because your promise has been fulfilled in us. We're here, God, because when we seek you, we find you. God, when we ask, we receive. When we knock on the door, you answer it. Your word is alive. Your word is alive today. It is truth. It is everything.
Well, praise God, we're back. Just want to pray and declare, you know, a prayer that I posted up in the chat room tonight was a prayer to apply the blood of Jesus. And so I just want just want to declare this prayer. All right, praise God. Heavenly Father, we bow and worship you and we praise you. Father, we apply the blood of Jesus over ourselves, Lord, over our lives, over each person. Father, that's listening to this broadcast, Lord, every man, every woman, every child that's listening tonight from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, Lord. Father, we just pray and apply the blood over the airwaves that surround us, over them, under them, over the telephone lines, over their homes, their properties, their offices, their cars, their trucks, their businesses, their finances, their marriages, their ministries, their cell phone frequencies. Father, over everything, we declare the blood of Jesus right now. Father, we ask that you render powerless and harmless, that you would destroy and nullify every power of the enemy, that you'd cancel every evil spirit, every demonic spirit, every demonic stronghold, every strong man, every messenger of Satan, be destroyed in Jesus' name. That every negative curse or prayer that tries to come into our presence or our homes or anything in our homes, our pets, our properties, our cars, our trucks, our marriages, we just break its power right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray your blessing over every person, over every life, every family, every ministry, every home. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you that we have your blood, the power of your blood, Lord. We just ask right now that you would cleanse our minds with your presence. Cleanse our minds with your precious blood. Give every person a clear thought, clarity of thought, Lord. Give them a sound mind, a sound and sober mind in Jesus' name. And we just declare this according to John fourteen fourteen. To the glory be to God. Glory be to God the Father. Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, fill your people with the Holy Spirit tonight. Father, fill each of us with your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you fill us with the fruits of your Holy Spirit, including your love, your joy, your peace, your gentleness, goodness, mercy, meekness, self-control, faithfulness. Heavenly Father, fill us today and everyone that we pray with the Holy Spirit, with the anointing and the power. Cover them. Cover us with your presence, Father, with your anointing, with your power, Lord. We thank you. We thank you that your presence covers us and fills us, that you've sealed us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for your peace and your character in our lives today, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your nature and your character and your fruits, your produce in our lives. Do these things in the name of Jesus, Lord. Lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. We just give you praise. To the glory be to Jesus. Glory be to God the Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So we're going to go ahead and go into a time of worship for just a little while tonight. 
All right, well, we're back. And as I said before, welcome back to another edition of Prayer International Radio. We are just taking a long, extended break to worship the Lord and just praise Him. You know, sometimes it's good just to lift up your hands, lift up your heart, lift up your voice and praise the Lord. You know, Psalm 103, the 100, verse 3, says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart, and his porch with praise. If you're going to come in, as we mentioned before, it's going to be first and foremost by the blood of Jesus. You're not even getting in the door unless it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The gift of God. But on the other side of that, Jesus says, you enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You enter his courts with praise, which means if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, if you don't have a thankful heart, you know, as we mentioned earlier, First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen says, "Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." Let me say that again: Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. And the whole deal is, the only way we get in is by getting into the the courts of God, by getting into the Holy of Holies, getting into the presence, the place where God dwells. He says, look, I dwell in the midst of your praises. I inhabit the praise of my people. And so unless you're going to become a worshiper, see, the Father seeketh such to worship him. Jesus said so himself. These are the words of Christ now. The Father seeketh such to worship him, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, which means you have to do it in spirit. In the realm that God's in is in the spirit realm. And also, the the word spirit is another word for heart. You've got to worship him from your heart. It's got to be heart to heart. It's got to be from your spirit. It's got to be that genuine deep place inside of yourself where you can connect with God, where God can connect with you, where the Holy Spirit of God can come in and make his abode in you. See, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. See, he's knocking. And if any man let him in, he would come in and he would sup and eat, which means he would he would sit down and dine. You see, in the Jewish custom and in many customs, around the dinner table is where people fellowship. Around the dinner tables where people begin to share their hearts, share what happened throughout their day, share what's going on in their lives. Because we've got such busy lives that for a lot of people, the only time they get to sit and talk is possibly around the dinner table. And even nowadays, in our culture, that's a very rare thing. In our Western mindset, as fast-paced as everything is, we're in this fast-food microwave generation where everything is touch and go and move, move, move. It's very rare that many families, many households sit around the dinner table and fellowship and commune with one another and, and share each other's hearts and share each other's burdens. But see, that was what the Jewish custom was. And so when Christ said, when I come in, I'll sup with you, I'll eat with you, we'll, we'll fellowship, I'll make my abode in you and 
I'll be in you and you and me, and and we'll commune with each other. The whole deal was just having an intimate encounter, time to share your heart and pour your heart out to God, but also time for God to pour his heart out to you. You see, prayer is not just asking, but it's asking and receiving. Call unto me and I will answer you. See, there's a calling unto Jesus and a calling unto God, but there's also a receiving. See, why would he say asking you to receive? Well, when you ask for something, what do you usually receive? Either a solution to your problem, an answer to a question when you ask, or if you're asking for help, then depending on who you're asking, you may or may not get it. But see, God says if you ask, you shall receive. And if you seek, you will find. If you knock, those doors will be opened up to you. And just like Jesus says, look, if I knock on your door and you open up your door to me, then when you knock on my door, I'm going to open up my door to you. That's why he said if you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. If you see however you want God to treat you, that's that's how you better be treating others and be treating God and be treating yourself and be treating those around you because, see, we reap what we sow. In this life, we reap what we sow. And the sad thing is, for many people, when they sow to the flesh, they reap corruption, and they don't just reap it in this life, but they also have an eternity to sort things out. So it's very important that we commune with our Heavenly Father. We get to know Him. We we become thankful, rejoicing always. In everything, give thanks. Have the right attitude. Have the right perspective. See, attitude... You know, we've all heard that saying attitude determines your altitude, but it's true. It really makes a difference, and it it makes a difference in the kingdom, too. It's very important how you present yourself before a king. The protocol, you wait for the king to call you up. You don't just run up to the throne. You you wait for the king to call you up. And see, if you're in Christ, you need to realize God is calling. And if you're making yourself aware and sensitive to believing in the moving of the Spirit of God, you'll hear his calling. That's why he says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. See, saints, God is calling his people. God is calling his people to intimacy. God is calling his people to prayer. God is calling his people to a sanctified, consecrated lifestyle where we're truly set apart from the grain of the world. We look completely different than the rest of the world. See, if we look just like the world, then what glory is there? If we have the same testimony that the world does, then what does it matter? Where's there any appeal? Where is there any motivation or drive for for the world to want to come in and, and be like us? 
If we're just like them, why would why would they even bother? But see, God says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Be ye clean. Touch no unclean thing. And we need to begin to apply this principle in our lives concerning our relationships, concerning our friendships, concerning the places we go to, the things that we do, the things that we think, the things that we speak. Why? Because unless you are consecrated and, and have hallowed yourself to the name of the Lord, and become that temple of the living God. That's why Paul said, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable service. He didn't say it's unreasonable what God's asking of you. He said this is your reasonable service. See, God asked for you to give your body, mind, and spirit. Why? It's reasonable. Fear him who is able to destroy the body and cast your soul into hell. Rather than the one that can just hurt the body So when God asks of us Our bodies, minds, and spirits He says I want to present your body, mind, and spirit Blameless Under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ Why does he say that? Because he wants to be able to present you blameless He wants to abide without spot and blemish Because when he begins to burn up And test everything in the fire You want to remain You want to make sure when your works are tried by fire That they were the works of Jesus They were the works of the Spirit of God They were from and of and and a produce of the Spirit of God Because Jesus said the the grass will wither The flower fades Everything's going to burn up Except for what was of God Everything's going to be tested by fire And the only thing that's going to remain He said is gold, silver and precious stones, but the wood, hay, and stubble of our lives are going to be burned up and blown away like the chafe, like dust in the wind. See, our life is but a vapor. Your life is but a vapor. You know that? My life is but a vapor. Here one minute, and in the light of eternity, and I mentioned this earlier, it's like when I did the the one second spot in a movie as an extra and, and told everybody this was the movie that I, I was in and made it like it was such a big deal, like the movie had anything to do with me really, which it didn't. I wasn't a primary character. I wasn't a secondary character. My name wasn't even on the credits. In fact, if you didn't push pause a couple times, and know exactly where I was walking or standing at the moment, you wouldn't have even known I was in there. And so many times we do just like I did at the extra in the movie. When the whole movie was two hours long, but my little part was two seconds. And here we live our little, you know, 80 to 100 years in light of eternity. And we realize the whole movie is about Jesus. The whole thing from start to finish is about Jesus. He's the coast, he's the star of the show. The Father, God, and the Holy Ghost. And Jesus Christ, the Son, you know what? All about them. And you just play a little extra part. You're just a little extra cast in the scene. And a lot of things. And how is it that we... Get so self-absorbed 
we take all the glory off of God, we get so self-focused, we start thinking it has something to do with us or is about us. We make our demands on God and we act like God owes us something. The truth is, we need to begin to develop the right thinking, the right attitude, that attitude of gratitude where we really realize God is our source. It's all about Him. We need to worship and honor and praise Him and give Him the glory that's due His name. Because this is what He requires of us. To walk humbly with our God. To do justice. To walk humbly with God. To be men and women of faith that believe God for who He is. See, the Bible says, He that comes to God must believe that He is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How are you going to get rewarded if you're not diligently seeking? And why wouldn't you why would you even waste your time diligently seeking if you didn't believe that God was in everything he says he is? Why would you even pray if you didn't believe that? Why would you live holy and deny yourself the things of the world if you truly didn't believe? That Jesus Christ was everything he says he was. Says he is. And see that's the deal. It's it's called faith. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let that man not think he would receive anything from the Lord. But the man that runs after God with his heart. Now we're not talking perfection. We're not talking that the Christian never does anything wrong. Never makes a mistake. Never says anything. Thinks anything. Does anything wrong. Because that's not true. The book of John tells us, no man can say that I have not sinned or else he's found out to be a liar. So there's no one out there. There's one that hung on a cross. There's one that rose from the dead. There's one that's seated at the right hand of God, and he's ever coming back to judge the living and the dead. And his name is Jesus Christ, and he's the only sinless, perfected man who ever was, but yet he tells us to live. And imitate him and imitate his example and be like him. Why? Because there is a blessing tied to a consecrated, sanctified, holy lifestyle. See, a lot of times what we think is legalistic, God says that's love. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So many times we think legalism. Legalism is doing something for God that's not really in your heart. As an expression of love towards God to do. In other words, you're just completely faking it and being a hypocrite, and that's not even in your heart whatsoever. You're just doing it because everybody else is doing it, but it's not really in your heart. That's hypocrisy. But to the person that loves God with all their heart, and though they may mess up, they may fall, they may make mistakes, but then they try, and they actually put an effort into trying to consecrate and deny themselves, cast down vain imaginations and consecrate and separate themselves from the world and deny the things of the flesh. Why? Because God said, blessed are you for whatever you give up in this world, it will be given back to you in the one to come. And whatever you sow, you'll reap, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Listen. If God's calling you to a consecrated lifestyle, 
And if you're in Christ, he is. It comes with a reward. Diligently seeking God comes with a reward. Walking in faith and trusting God wholeheartedly comes with reward. Number one, Jesus is our reward. He's our great and precious pearl of great pride. He's the treasure that we're seeking. He's the one that's compared to gold and fine gold and rubies and sweeter than the honeycomb is the Lord. Listen, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hey, the deal is, is this. Jesus is our reward. It's not about all the extras. If you're seeking first the kingdom, all those other things are going to be added to you anyway. Look at Psalm 103. Or 102, just get into the song. Look at the benefits of, of the Lord. And we'll, we'll talk about that sometime. Forget not his benefits. He heals all your diseases. Forgives all your iniquities. See, God, God comes with benefits better than any corporation or any benefit packet you think you could get from an employer. God's kingdom, if you're serving and working for the king of kings, he has the benefit. See, he says, all things are given to you pertaining to life and godliness. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. See, it all means all. All the promises of God are yes and amen in him. I think where we, we miss it is we don't always hear the Lord concerning what to do, where to go, when, how, why, what. We don't listen to the specifics. Therefore, we miss out on a lot of blessings. We don't obey the Lord in a lot of respects because we're not even sure which way we're supposed to be going. And in the process, sometimes we get caught in the crossfire because we didn't listen to God say, don't go, or don't do that, or don't don't leave the house today, or whatever it is. And for many people, their lives go out short-sighted, they get snubbed and picked off prematurely by the enemy because they failed to wait in the timing of God. See, the Bible says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings and eagles. problem is, are we waiting on the Lord? Or do we get ahead of God? Or do we get so far away from God that we lag behind and miss out on the timing of God? See, there's, there's a timing. See, there's seed time and then a harvest. And you can sow all the seed that you want, but if you're not in the timing of God, then the harvest sometimes falls short. You can plant seed in the ground, but if you don't give your crop enough time to come up, guess what? If you don't give your plant or your flower or your house plant or your corn or your wheat or whatever you got. If you don't give it time and you don't plant your seed at the right time, then it aborts your harvest. It changes your harvest. It affects your harvest somehow on some level. And listen, saints, you've got to listen to the Lord about his timing. You've got to listen to the Lord when it's time to sow You've got to listen to the Lord concerning what he's calling you to. 
and the consecrated lifestyle or the level of consecration God's putting on you. And it may be different from your neighbor. It may be different from your spouse or your child or your parent or your coworker or your Christian brother or sister because, see, we all have an individual walk. And God knows our limits and God knows our tolerances and God knows where we miss it and God knows where we're strong and he knows where we're weak. And so it's important to specifically allow God to divinely design. See, he's got a divinely designed plan for your life. You know, nowadays you can you can order your vitamins specifically designed for your weight and your gender and your everything. You just tell them everything that's going on with you and they come up with a formula that's supposed to be balanced nutrition for your body weight and your activity and your age and your everything. It's divinely desired, specifically designed for you to help you reach your maximum potential. And see, in the kingdom of God, God's divinely designed a plan and a purpose for you to help you reach your maximum potential. Yeah. I know. If you're doing it, yeah. Yeah. So praise God. The Bible says, those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. So get hungry. I know I'm hungry. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you just smell the aroma in the air? Yeah. You ever get so hungry you just smell the the smell of food in the air and it makes you salivate? Let me tell you, you know, there's a presence, there's an aroma, there's a fragrance. That comes from the presence of the Lord. And when you spend time in his presence and you get around people that are of his presence and you get in places that are more saturated with his presence, listen, you'll become acclimated. And sometimes you will just catch that fragrance when people pass by or you go into a church or a place or maybe you hear a certain song that's got a certain fragrance on it or you hear a certain message that's anointed of the Lord, and you, you feel the anointing of the Lord on it. But see, when when you get that, that whiff, when you get that taste, when you just barely breathe it in, it begins to whet your appetite. It begins to motivate your appetite, see. That's why God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, even though Jesus talked about sin and the Pharisees, he said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's that way. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Once you get a taste for something, that's why it's so important that you get spiritual cravings. And you begin to curve your, your fleshly appetites with spiritual appetites. And you begin to replace the things of the world with the things of the Spirit. Very important. So I know I'm rambling some tonight. This is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. We're going to break. 
time of worship. Looks like we're coming up. It's just past 10 o'clock. Praise God. So, praise God. So, hey, we're going to get into uh, some worship here. Hey, we've got uh, a couple people in the chat room. Just want to say thank you. Uh, to Cousin Terry and Cirrus in the chat room And those of you that have been in and out tonight Hey, God bless you tonight We're lifting you up in prayer Lifting up your ministries, your families And everything going on in your lives We're praying for you and Those of you that are listening around the globe Listening to us wherever you are All the way from Alaska Or Australia or America Wherever you're at Listen God is God God is good if you're his child, he is doing everything he can to fulfill his promises in your life and help keep you on course. Just trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Look, don't try to figure it out. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure this thing out because the mind's going to be unfruitful of the things of the Spirit and your reasoning and your rationale and your human understanding. Is not going to cut it sometimes. Don't even try to super spiritualize things because sometimes God will not be put in your box. So just trust God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. That's the rest of that proverb I started sharing. So listen, let's break for some worship. We're going to get back into the Word and then we're going to wrap up. God is so good, isn't He? So uh, we're going to speak to some nations for a minute here.
All right, praise God. Well, we're back, and uh, just speaking to nations, you know. And as you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again, the reason we love this song so much we speak to nations is it's not just a song, but it's a prayer, it's a praise, it's a declaration. You know, there's something powerful when we all begin to get into unity and begin to declare and decree what the Lord is saying. You know, David had it right. You know, Psalm chapter 2, let's go verse 8 real quick. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but you can if you want to. I'll be in there briefly. Psalm chapter 2, hang on a second. Verse 7 It says I will declare and decree What the Lord has said unto me And then he then Begins to actually declare what the Lord says He says you are my son today I have begotten you Ask of me And I will give you the nations For your inheritance And the ends of the earth For your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O king, and be instructed, O you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and trembling. Rejoice in the Lord. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and he perish in the way. But his wrath is kindled. But a little blessed are those who put their trust in him. Now listen, there's a principle here. And I started with seven. I guess I could just read the whole psalm because it makes sense. I'll just back up. I'm just going to go with this for a minute. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against the Lord's anointed. And there's a day that we're living in now, and it's going to get worse because he, Jesus said in the last days, the hearts of many, the love of many will wax cold. And see, religion and the world system will cause you to be cold. But the Holy Spirit will cause you to be bold. There's a difference. So why do they hate the, the nations and the heathen rage? And plot and scheme against the Lord and against his anointed because it's a tyranny of evil men. What's going on in our earth today? There's an enemy and an antichrist, and he is deceived and blinded the hearts and minds of men and women, and he's raised up his evil agenda in their hearts. But see, the Lord has an agenda, and that's to establish his kingdom here on the earth. That the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, so the knowledge of God and the glory of God truly covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. Now, how is that going to happen? It's going to happen when the nations begin to praise him. It's going to happen when the nations begin to turn their hearts and pray, and they become the habitation of the living God. When men and women begin to raise up in different cities, different states, different countries, different nations, and begin to raise up and begin to declare that God is God over that nation. God is God over that city. God is God over that household, over that place of business. 
and they begin to praise the living God, then God will inhabit the praises of his people in that place. And when God inhabits the praises of his people in that place, then the spirit of the Lord begins to reign and rule in that place. Then the knowledge of the glory, the knowledge of God, and the presence and the power of God begin to move and operate in that place. Heaven's influence begins to, a, a convergence begins. You know what a convergence is? It's when things, one stream merges with another stream. We'll get into that later. But see, there's a convergence coming where heaven and earth are coming together. And just as it is in heaven, so shall it be on the earth. And when this convergence takes place, you won't be able to see the difference because the glory of God is going to arise upon this earth. And the kingdom of God will be established in like manner here on the earth. And when people begin to take their authority and take their place as a king or a priest in the earth, you'll see heaven's influence. You'll see the glory of God. You'll see healing take place. You'll see prosperity take place. You'll see transformation take place in the lives and in the hearts of men, women, and children. But it starts when we praise him. And it starts when we yield to him. See, God says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. What does that mean? Look, does that mean you're going to own the nations? Not necessarily. But maybe. But what it means is every place that the soles of your feet tread, there will be a favor, there will be a blessing, there will be the positive of the Spirit of God. If your ways are pleasing to the Lord, God will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. God will cause an end-time transformation and a transference of the wealth of the wicked that's being laid up for the righteous. And you'll begin to see the wealth that's on corporations begin to come upon individuals and households and families. You'll begin to see the church come under such a degree of blessing that in the midst of the recession, depression, and the decline of what we call the Western civilization, I guarantee you, you will begin to see men and women that are sensitive to the Spirit of God beginning to raise up, and God will make them the head and not the tail. They will be the borrower or not the borrower, but they will let others borrow. They will be the lender. They will be the ones that that giving out the money. They will be the ones that are sowing because of all the reaping that's taking place because there's going to be a day when the reaper, the, the reaping overtakes the sower, and the harvest overtakes the reaper. And, and as fast as you can get your seed into the ground, and as fast as you can sow your life into the soil of the kingdom of God, that God is going to have a return. God is going to have a blessing. God is going to have a reward. God is going to have a harvest waiting for you. In fact, even before you get the words out of your mouth, God will begin to answer your prayer because he knows your heart's cry. In fact, there's a time when he says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what kind of clothes you're going to wear because if I clothe the grass of the field and I worry about even when a sparrow falls from a tree, when I know what what the number 
can you count the hairs on your head? And I know every day I, I'm probably a few less than I was the day before, but you know what? I don't know how many hairs are on my head. I really don't. And I've I've been looking at this head for 38, almost 39 years, and I still can't tell you how many hairs are on it. But God can. My point is, is God's concerned of every detail of your life more than you are. God knows what you need better than you do. And he is your ever-present help in time of need, even when you don't think you need help. Probably when you need it the most. When you need it, listen, where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord. Your help comes from the men and women that God's called and assigned to your life. Do you know that there's men and women that are assigned to your life? Do you know that you are assigned, you have an assignment to certain men and women in the earth that you're assigned to? They're they're part of your purpose in the world. They're part of your calling. They're part of your destiny. And maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's a stranger, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's an enemy. And you just haven't been given a, a gift of mercy or grace yet, and you haven't seen the Lord's plan in the midst of it all. But you know what? God is working a process in all of us. That's why he says, consider it pure joy, brethren, whenever you face various temptations, fiery trials, because the testing of your faith will produce patience. Be careful to pray for patience because it will bring a a testing of your faith. So I know I'm kind of going off here for a little bit, but look, this is the deal. God is calling out and he's saying be thankful. You know, I've been preaching out of 1 Thessalonians 5 on and off for a week, so it's funny our cousin Terry from Alaska is in the chat room sharing a devotional. And it's a confirmation to what I was sharing some tonight and confirmation also to what I've been uh, ministering throughout the week. Actually, it's one of my daily devotionals. Uh, I did, I think, yesterday or the day before. It was the same scripture, First Thessalonians. So God's speaking something here. God is declaring something here. I don't think... You know, we all know things don't happen by mistake. They don't happen on accident. But God is saying something to his people, and this is what he's saying. I'm going to repeat it again. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing, and then everything gives thanks. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know, God, what's your will? I'm so confused. This is where you start. Start by rejoicing in the Lord. Start by being thankful in in every situation you're going through, realizing that God's working something for your good. Begin to pray without ceasing. Begin to pray without ceasing. That means don't stop. That means you pray till you pray through. You remember that term, let's pray through? Pray until we get a breakthrough. Press in, press through. Now, I grew up Catholic, got saved Baptist at 16, and that lasted about two weeks. And before you knew it, I was 
speaking in tongues on the back of the Baptist church row, not knowing what God was doing. But you know what? Listen, and hopefully that doesn't offend you. And if it does, read Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And just forgive me because you have to if you're a Christian. Anyways, hey, uh, this is the deal. You know, here I was seeking out the things of God. And God was moving in my life, but he was teaching me how to press in, how to pray through. And the circles of people that I hung out with in my, what I call my spirit-filled, my first spirit-filled encounters, I began to hang out with these intercessors and these prophetic intercessors and these prayer warriors and these people that knew what it meant to plead the blood of Jesus. And people that would literally pray in the Holy Ghost until their roofs of their mouth were bleeding. And these people would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I got around the spirit of prayer. I got around the spirit of pressing in. I got around a, a spirit of people that was, was tenacious, persistent, continual. And they didn't stop. They prayed until they got a breakthrough. They prayed until the burden was lifted. And, you know, sometimes in our Christianity, this watered-down Western civilization, churchianity thing we call Christianity, we think, oh, Lord, if it be your will, do such and such and blah, 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 and thank you, Jesus, for this day. Amen. And we've prayed about it. <laughs> and that's, in a lot of our, our circles today, that, that's prayer. That's it. But no one has grabbed a hold of the scriptural promises and begin to confess them and declare and decree them over their present situation. Nobody begins to wait for a, a confirmation from a anointed or a wise brother or sister in the Lord. Nobody prays and prays and prays until the burden's lifted anymore, until they begin to see the circumstance change, and then they continue to pray until the breakthrough completely comes through. You don't stop praying just because things start looking a little better. And when things are great at the moment or you're in a season where you're on the mountaintop, you don't stop praying because it won't be soon long when you're going to be back down in another valley. See, God's a God in the valley and he's a God on the mountaintop. He's the God of all, in all, through all. And all things were created for his good pleasure. Do you realize that God was not created for your good pleasure? I know that's a shock to many people. God was not created for your good pleasure. In fact, the Christian walk was not created to be a bless me club for your good pleasure so that God would fill your wish list every day. But you were created for God's good pleasure to fill his wish list every day and to do as he pleases and to do what he declares is pleasing and acceptable in his sight, not what's pleasing and acceptable in yours. And sometimes we do have to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. That's the only way he lifts us up. And you know when he lifts us up, you know what he's doing? He's seating us with Christ in heavenly places. He's positioning us in a place where we can begin to see from his perspective. We begin to see like he sees. See, blessed are your eyes for they see. 
Do you know Jesus talked about people that had eyes that they saw not and people that had ears but they heard not? And you know how many people that were not blind and deaf looked at him so confused, like, huh? What are you talking about? You know how many people in our church today look at each other cross-eyed because they have no clue what the Holy Spirit is doing, what he's speaking, what he's calling us to, what he's calling us from, what he's trying to deliver us out of, and what he's trying to deliver us into? Most people in our modern-day church are clueless to the fact The mind is unfruitful of the things of the spirit. That's why the Bible says to be carnally minded is enmity with God. To be, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The carnal mind brings forth death. So this is the deal. Your job is to cast down vain imaginations. That's right. Cast them down. That means throw them off. Cast them aside. When something rises up inside of you that does not agree with God's word, period, you cast it aside. See, the, the vain imaginations, the high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And if there's anything in your life that tries to exalt itself against God or be bigger than God or be more important than God or be more of a focus to you than God, then those are the things you need to cast down. I think that's where we miss it as a church. We've allowed these cares of the world to come in and they have truly choked out the word of God within us that's why we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might we need to take on the armor of God and it's not just this little suit of armor thing that I want you guys to picture in your head when we talk about the armor of God you know we're talking about the character of Christ we're talking about the attributes and the wisdom the fruit of the spirit the character of God Okay, the the helmet of salvation. It's not just the little metal helmet that we're putting on that we've got the word salvation written across. But what that's saying is God wants you to be saved in your mind. God wants you to have the mind of Christ. God wants you to set your mind on things above and get in such a place where your your mind is washed and renewed by the word of God and the blood of Jesus is speaking over your mind. And you begin to have the right mindset. See, the helmet of salvation, it, it goes over your head. It goes over the, the centermost part of your body, the, the, one, the, the main part. Because if you lose your head, that's pretty much it. There's a lot of people that have a... Do you know anyone that's ever had a head transplant? I don't. There's heart transplants and lung transplants, and you can lose all kinds of body parts and and get a transplant. But if somebody cuts your head off, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't catch that news story. But the last thing I remember is that they can't do a head transplant. I've never known one surgeon to be able to take the head off another person, sew it onto another person, and everything function properly. But who knows? Maybe that's coming. But let's just say for kicks that we're not there yet, all right? But see, that's why God says be transformed because you can't just lob your head off and, and put another head on. What you can do is you can stop trying to be the head of your life, and you can stop trying to be the head and, and, and quit trying to run your life and quit trying to do things the way you want to 
and allow Christ to come in and be the head of the church. Allow Christ to come in and be the head of your life. Allow Christ to come in and be the one that controls your thinking and controls your motives and controls your desires and controls your habits and appetites. And let Christ be the one that comes in and begins to rule and reign in every part of your life. Because it's then, when you begin to allow God's glory to come into those places, then you become a carrier of God's glory and you can bring Christ into other places where others are. And you can begin to reveal and confirm and testify and share the glory and the good news of Jesus Christ in your life with others. That's what God's calling us to. He's calling us unto himself, first and foremost. He's the treasure that we're seeking. It's not, God, what can you give to me or do for me, but it's, God, who are you? And I'm so thankful to have you in my life. And if you're not there yet, see, remember we read Psalm 2 that said, kiss the son lest he be angry? Another word for worship is prognosco, which means to kiss. See, worship means to kiss. It's an intimate expression to kiss. And when you're worshiping God, you're intimately expressing yourself to the Lord. And so you must become a worshiper in spirit, from the heart, heart to heart, deep calls unto deep. You also must become a worshiper in truth. Grounded in truth Grounded and have your frame of reference Based on what God is speaking And not what you're speaking What God is speaking And not what the world is speaking What God is speaking And not what the enemy is speaking It's very important to become a worshiper in truth The truth of his word The truth of his love Because it's only when we know truth That we can truly be set free How are you going to be set free by the Spirit of God if you don't know and have an understanding of the truth of the Spirit of God? See, if you believe lies your whole life, then the enemy can come in and manipulate you. But see, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear will paralyze and bring your Growth to a screeching halt That's why it's very important That we get into faith And we begin to believe God We begin to trust God We don't get afraid about our situations Because we know God Is preparing a deliverance for us at the end God is orchestrating something behind the scenes That we may not see at the moment And that's why we have to Again, trust in the Lord with all of our heart We none on our own understanding But in all our ways acknowledge Him And that's when He begins to direct our paths That's how he begins to lead us and guide us Because see Faith works by love And your heavenly father loves you And unless you have the love and an understanding of who he is It's going to be hard to trust and believe In the things that he's saying Unless you're spending time with him And listening and turning your ear And becoming sensitive It's going to be hard to hear The things that he's saying That's why he says do not harden your heart He tells us to guard our hearts, for out of our hearts flow the issues of life. 
from the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. He said it's not what, what people do that makes them unclean, but it's what goes into their hearts that makes them unclean, what comes out of their hearts. So the heart and the way we receive things into our spirit is very important to God, very important principle. And so guard your heart. And only allow those things that God deems holy, God deems acceptable in your life to come in. Filter your life. And it's a process. And what may be sin for one person may not be sin for another. And so it's very important you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, some things are strictly defined in the Word of God. And I would tell you that if you have questioned anything, just follow the Word. Follow the Word. Follow the Bible. And if there's some things that the Bible is not clear about, then you pray on it. You pray on it. You pray on it. You pray on it. Ask God for confirmation. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you peace. Because the Bible says that which is not faith is sin. And whenever you do something, do it in faith. Because, like we said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and he won't receive anything. So when you do things, do it wholeheartedly in the Lord. Just trust God with it. Just trust God with it. Well, praise God. We're we'll going to go into uh, some worship here.
Praise God, we're back. Just want to sign off tonight. Thank everybody for just standing with us in prayer and sharing the word. We'll be back again tomorrow night, same time, same station. Feel free to uh, check us out. Check us out on the website and have a blessed night. This is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. And God bless you.